This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. All right, a lot of people are joining the conversation on our hot question of the day. It has to do with Vancouver City Council uh, taking a vote today, and it has to do with the push to get contraception covered for everybody, for men, women, for whoever wants to access contraception. Right now, the reality is that we don't have equity on access to contraception. So people with penises have it covered and people with uteruses don't. It's a historic imbalance. All right, that was Vancouver City Councillor Christine Boyle uh, talking about it. And Victoria has already put its support behind the group that is leading this called Access BC. And again, Vancouver making that decision to, or at least putting it to a vote today to do that as well. We have made it our hot question of the day, and a lot of people are joining the conversation. So our question basically with that little bit of background is, do you support MSP covering contraceptive options for women? You can vote yes or no. Right now, the yes votes are winning it. You can vote on Twitter at CKNW or at Jill Reports if you want to access it there. Or you can give me an email, jbennett at cknw.com or head on over to the Buzz line, 604-331-BUZZ. That is 604-331-2899. Let's bring in Dr. Ruth Habte. She is with Obstetrics and Gynecology, a resident at UBC, also with the group Access BC. That's a committee of people from around BC, they are the ones calling for the removal of barriers to accessing prescription contraception. And she joins us now to talk about the campaign and where the campaign is at. Dr. Habte, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me on. Uh, So talk a bit about this campaign and what exactly uh, you're doing. Yeah, so this campaign started a number of years ago um, by uh, Teal as well as Devin who are both um, great leaders of this campaign, who essentially started a Twitter account saying that this is not fair, that um, the duty for contraception um, falls on the person who has the uterus, and cost is often a a major barrier in accessing the type of contraception that that person wants to have for their body. So they started this Twitter campaign, and years down the road, we now have a Um, active Twitter account. We now have an active letter generating software where people can email their MLAs as well as the health minister and the premier um, and are actively lobbying um, various levels of government to adopt this policy. And do you have an idea on what is the most popular or common type of contraception that, that women choose? I would say a lot of women choose the oral contraceptive pill. By and far, those are the ones that I prescribe the most commonly. But I I think a bit of that is skewed in that once a person has an intrauterine device, it's often good for like five, ten years. Some of them are good for three years. So we're not seeing those people for those concerns related to contraceptives anymore. So I think my, my view of things are a little bit skewed in that way. And what would the average cost? Or do we know what a woman would pay for contraception? For sure. So if someone gets their oral contraceptive pill, so a combination of usually estrogen and progesterone, there's also a progesterone only pill that's not quite as effective and has a bit more finicky things that needs to be taken with them. Those ones are usually about $20 a month if someone's buying it month to month. If someone's able to afford to buy three months at a time, then usually it's a little bit cheaper at like $50 or something like that a month. Um, If somebody wants um, a copper IUD, so one that does not have hormones in it, a device that goes into the uterus um, to provide contraception, 
that costs anywhere from $75 to $100. And then if someone wants a hormonal IUD, which is um, can be a very popular option, I'd say a lot more people would want to use it if they could. Um, that one costs about $400. But wow. it's a one-time cost. Um, you put it in, and it's good for five years. And why is that one more popular? Um, I would say for a number of reasons. So first, people are forgetful. Anyone is very forgetful. To take this, like a pill at the same time every single day is difficult. Um, and as well, uh, this one can, and as well, if you take the Morena IUD, so the one that has slightly more hormones than the Kylena IUD, it can stop you from having periods altogether. So people who have uteruses and hate having periods, this is a great option for them. It also is great because it doesn't have estrogen in it, which um, is a, a contraindication for a number of people with who are over 35 and smoking, who have uncontrolled blood pressure, who have other health conditions that just prevent us from using estrogen as a product. All right. So as it stands now, then, if somebody, are women ever prescribed uh, pill the pill or any of these contraceptions as, as a medically needed, uh, something that's medically needed? And if so, is it covered at that point? So various levels of coverage. Um, I'm new to this province. I will say I was a pharmacist in Manitoba, so I knew a lot about the drug coverage out there. And I, in moving here, have learned a lot about the coverage out here. There's similarities and differences. It depends on what coverage the person has and what prescription we're giving them. So if this person has private insurance um, through their employer and we prescribe the oral contraceptive pills, most of them, they will be covered by their insurance at usually 80% after they've met their deductible. But let's say that this person is in the working poor or they're a teenager and they are under their parents' drug plan and if they fill a medication, their parents will know what medications they fill. Um, that access isn't quite as equal. As well, for people who have private drug insurance who want a Mirena, like I, as I talked about earlier, the hormonal IUDs, the ones that cost $400, a lot of private health insurance plans actually don't cover that as well. So um, people who have these health insurance plans they're paying into aren't eligible for, for uh, those types of IUDs. All right. And do I know that uh, Access BC has taken a look at this as well, because we've been talking a lot about the costs of contraception. Uh, do we know or have an idea of the costs of unplanned pregnancies? For sure. So there's been a number of studies that looked at this both in Canada and the U.S. So most recently, um, there was a study done in 2015 that was a cost model analysis um, that looked at the cost of unintended pregnancies across Canada. So they said um, in their data, they found that there was probably 180,000 unintended pregnancies that happened in Canada um, in their research. And so they said that that resulted in a cost to provincial governments of $320 million. Um, and when they looked at how um, giving people access to the long-acting reversible contraceptives, the Mirena and Kylena hormonal IUDs mostly, um, how that would affect outcomes, they found that there was significant cost savings. They actually found that even a person having the device in for 12 months, when it actually lasts for five years, that that was enough to save um, over $34 million. So, you know, studies in the U.S., studies in Canada, as well as studies in the U.K. and various other countries have shown that this is a revenue-positive, um, fiscally responsible policy. 
Absolutely. And do you find too, I mean, we're having this conversation now, like you said, the the group has been around for a while. We've also had conversations about providing menstrual products for girls in school, for teenagers in schools to make sure they're free and accessible. Is it, does it seem like we're kind of catching up or at least finally having these conversations when it comes to women and reproduction and their health? For sure. I think that anyone who menstruates, so like trans men included, um, or non-binary people, like anyone who menstruates or anyone who has a uterus that needs to, you know, who doesn't want to become pregnant and has to protect themselves against pregnancy, the burden has always fallen on us. I say us as a person who identifies as a woman. Um, And I think that we're now catching up, and I'm in gynecology at an amazing time where we are um, learning so much about um, caring for people who have uteruses and being more inclusive and ensuring that, you know, people that we care for are um, represented at levels of government and to make sure that policies that are important to the patients that I see every day are represented at various levels of government. And as I mentioned, we're talking about this specifically today because Vancouver Council is taking a look at the motion and and, and possibly likely following Victoria's lead. Are there other cities or municipalities that are that are getting involved in this or what would you like to see as far as uh, people getting more involved? I would love to see people getting more involved. Um, I would say from what I know about uh, what's going on currently, I know that Burnaby also has a motion um, in front of them as well. Um, that I would be curious to know what the result of that is. All right. Uh, very interesting, uh, interesting development and topic. Uh, Dr. Ruth Habte, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me on. All right. Uh, Dr. Habte is in obstetrics and gynecology, a resident at UBC.